Hello and welcome. Elizabeth Lockwood here. I'm your host for Mile Long Trace, where we unpack the process of practicing commercial interior design. This podcast is a catalyst to elevate you as a commercial interior designer, to make you resilient and successful at your career by unpacking the facets of the design process, elevating your professional practice through organizational dynamics tips, celebrating emerged practitioners through a series of candid interviews so that you can hear how they navigated their career path, and lastly, creating a Q&A platform to build quality professional resources. In the end, I want you to feel supported in your role as a commercial interior designer so that you can be successful in your career. As passionate designers, we want to elevate the commercial interior design industry by providing credible resources to support emerging practitioners. In order to keep this content accessible, Mylong Trace is seeking industry partners and sponsors to grow this platform. Industry sponsors and partners that are passionate about supporting, influencing, and advancing commercial interior design. Mylong Trace is offering annual and a la carte sponsorship. More information and to contact us, go to MileLongTrace.com. Generous sponsorship dollars support the future of commercial interior design by building a stronger community, knowledge base, and attrition at firms and an industry at large. All right, welcome back to the show. We're picking up where we left off talking to Julianne Rodriguez, where she was sharing in-depth her experience on taking the NCATQ exam and how it's enriched her profession and her career. Julianne's going to take a deeper dive into part two. And before you listen to this, you want to make sure that you hear part one, which was released two weeks ago. So make sure you head back over and listen to that first so you get some background on what Creative Confidant is, what the NCATQ exam is, and her experience in preparation for taking it. In this episode, we're going to take a deeper dive, and she's going to answer some of the deeper questions on study tips to take the NCITQ exam, go into more detail on resources available for taking it, and really help set you on the right path to taking the NCITQ exam. So I hope you enjoy, and if there's any questions that come up from listening to either of these episodes, feel free to reach out at elizabeth at milelongtrace.com. And I'll make sure and connect you with Julianne and we'll help get your questions answered. At the end of the day, both of us really want you to feel supported in your career and your role and hope to encourage you to take the NCATQ exam. Welcome back to the show, Julianne. Thanks. Excited to be back. Yeah, thank you. So can you walk our listeners through when they can take the exam? So you'd mentioned in part one that the first portion you can take right after graduation. And then what's that next step for them? Yeah, so the IDFX you can take um, right after you graduate from a CIDA or non-CIDA accredited school. Um, And you can also take it if you received an associate's degree or if you have an architecture degree. So it's not just, you know, an interior design degree or Bachelor of Fine Arts in interior design. For the IDPX and the practicum, um, you will need to have met the education requirements um, that I just mentioned for the IDFX. 
Um, and you also need to have work experience. So you'll for the IDPX, um, you need to have 3,520 hours, which is approximately three years of work experience. And 1,760 of those hours can f- come from qualified work experience, which is internships. Um, if you have a supervisor who meets certain requirements, and those are um, if they're NCIDQ certified, um, if they have substantial oversight of your job, um, and can also vouch, vouch for you. There's two different ways to get a direct supervisor or sponsor. So a direct supervisor is a design professional, as I mentioned, um, who has oversight of your work and of your history and can totally vouch for you. And then a sponsor is a design professional who agrees to review a candidate's professional progress and confirm that you have worked the necessary work experience hours. And they may or may not work within the same firm as a candidate. So say you work at a small interior design firm and uh, within your office, there isn't anyone who is a NCIDQ certified interior designer or a uh, certified interior designer, so who has the CID accreditation or who is an architect. Um, you can find someone within your community who meets those requirements, who you, of course, know because they need to vouch for your hours um, and get them to sign off on your forms. That was really helpful for you to break that down for us. I know, you know, every so often in CIDQ or what CIDQ has refined their parameters for how to apply and take this. So I think um, a good reminder is to always go back to CIDQ's website. They do a really great job of outlining it. And then I'm guessing you're also always available, right? People can email you with questions. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And, you know, People email me all the time. Always happy to help. I actually just got a question about um, a different route for sponsorship and how they could find someone to be their sponsor. So absolutely, always here to help. That's wonderful. I wonder if there's um, opportunities out there to start to create connections for people out, you know, within their community. And I know that IADA offers exam prep classes. That you know is also another resource that's out there for um, those that are thinking about taking it. Is to really reach out to your local chapters and see if they have study sessions available um, and when they're offering those. And that brings me to my next question: Is when I took the exam was oh I can't even remember it was more than ten years ago. So I know a lot of stuff has changed. Is it a two-time-a-year exam now with it being digital? Can you take it any time? Can you outline for us kind of what people should expect on a yearly or quarterly cycle of when it's offered? Yeah, so it is still offered twice a year. So it's offered during the months of April and October. And actually for the spring exam that's coming up now, you have about two weeks to get all of your applications in so that you can apply. Um, CIDQ confirms that you're eligible and then you can schedule your exam. So if you want to take it in the spring, get your applications in now. Yeah, that's really good. I'm going to interject here and mention that your recent blog post, one of your tips on there was signing up as the first step and committing to an exam date instead of saying, okay, I'm going to study. And then when I'm ready is committing to a six month you know, time period out and then using that time to um, study is a, was a really great tip that you recommended on your blog. So I wanted to 
do a little plug for that in there that everybody that hasn't taken it and is thinking about taking either a portion of it or the full exam should look into it in the next two weeks. Um, so it sounds like there's a deadline coming up. Yes, there is. Um, and yeah, that's that's also another one of the things that was hardest is um, or can be hard is just committing to it. And so if you sign up, if you pay for the exam, you are going to be a lot more committed than if you're constantly thinking about it and going back and forth on it. So just commit and then go from there. So what are resources that Creative Confident offers for those that are considering taking the NCADQ exam? Let's outline those in a little bit more detail. Yeah. So essentially Creative Confidant is an online resource for interior designers and architects who are looking to pass the exam. It'll help them pass the NCIDQ with confidence. So it offers free resources to our industry and really just encourages designers and architects to take the NCIDQ and shows that you can achieve this incredibly important credential and you can do so affordably and without devoting every waking minute to studying for it. So, you know, work harder, not or work smarter, not harder, right? And it also provides solution to some of the hurdles that are often blockers for those who want to take the test, um, be it financial or time management, or even finding out enough info about the test, um, and even getting the confidence to take the test. Like you said previously, in the first part, a lot of it is just like believing in yourself and knowing that like, okay, you can take this test, you're going to study for it, it's going to be hard, but you can do it. Um, and to not let those hurdles be an excuse to not take it. So I'm there to cheer you on and give you the confidence that you can pass the test. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And I think we all need cheerleaders or those that maybe hold us to the flame to keep us going when we start to doubt or we're, you know, and it's usually when you're hitting a deadline and you're exhausted and you're like, why am I doing this? What's the point, right? Is to have somebody that's continuing to dangle that carrot in front of you to say, you can do this, you got this, you know, so Julianne can be that kind of coach for you guys out there to help you navigate a registration process and eligibility, um, maybe finding study sessions. I know you've been posting on your LinkedIn when you see different IEDA chapters offering study sessions. Um, so just kind of creating that point intersection where you can intersect with your practice and NCADQ. Um, so what study tips do you have for our listeners, Julianne? And, you know, what are maybe some first kind of starter study tips you have for them? Yeah, I mean, the first one is to just start. You just need to start. You need to sign up for it um, and start the process. Sign up and then get your books. I have an NCIDQ study shop on um, my blog. So it'll tell you exactly what I use to pass and what you'll need to pass the test. And then sit down and study. And with that too, um, one of my most recent blog posts was how to create a study plan. And so that was honestly like the most important thing I did for all three exams was creating a study plan. So for those of you who don't know, a study plan is basically an overall plan that breaks down um, everything you need to study um, into small milestones and um, kind of attaches it to a schedule. So You'll go week by week and follow exactly what you need to study and by when. Um, and it'll really help you accomplish your goals and get through everything you need to study. If you, you know, sit down and think, okay, I'm going to study and outline 20 chapters this weekend, that's not going to happen. And if it does, you'll probably be very miserable. 
So creating a plan and just doing small things at a time will make, oh, it'll just make your life so much easier. Um, And then also understand that studying is different for everyone. So it personally took me a while to figure out that um, I needed to take notes and make flashcards in order to study successfully and really retain the information. So if I just sat down and read the NCIDQ reference manual or any book for any exam, I would hardly retain anything and would most likely fall asleep. So while taking notes and making flashcards obviously took longer, it's what worked best for me and made my studying actually effective. So it's important to know what type of learner you are and how best to study to suit your needs. A lot of us who are visual learners, right? So that, you know, seeing it, um, for me at least, you know, hearing it doesn't resonate. I, you know, so I'm always taking notes as people are, you know, saying things because I think that that helps get through to me. And then, you know, that repetition of multiple different ways, right? So if you're speaking it or teaching it back to somebody, that's, I found a really, really great way to learn something in deeper depth. So maybe there's somebody in your community that you can pair and study with and then um, practice teaching a section back to each other um, and, you know, taking notes. So writing it, seeing it, you know, just figuring out creative ways to embed that information into you. You'd mentioned that there is books that are available. What are those exam books? The main study guide that you'll need that encompasses, you know, the, what you'll need to study in all three exams is the NCIDQ reference manual. And so um, if you go to my website, Creative Confidant, there's a NCIDQ study shop um, and you'll see it linked there. And there it really provides a comprehensive overview of not interior design, but everything that you would need to run your practice or a suggestion on how to run your practice. Of course, everyone is different, but then also everything you need for the NCIDQ. Um, and then for each exam, um, PPI also offers different sample question and practice exam books. So there's one for the IDFX, the IDPX, and the practicum. And there's also some flashcards, which are really helpful. And I actually, I use them a lot in addition to making my own flashcards. They're just really great to reinforce material. One more thing I was curious about is, are there any practice tests that are available online for people? Well, so as I mentioned, there's practice books or practice tests within those PPI um, practice exam books. And then also the CIDQ offers a practice exam for the practicum too, which is really helpful um, because then you'll get a really good sense of the format of the exam um, and what they're looking for. When I took the practicum, it was when it was the eight-hour hand-drafted marathon of an exam. Um, And then, you know, uh, six months later, they changed it to digital. But I would highly recommend doing the practice exam online if you're doing the practicum too. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, those practice exams I found for LEAD, the ones that I found online were actually more stringent and did worse on those. I was like barely passing them. And then I, I did great on the actual final. So hopefully that's the case here as well as um, there's some really good resources to really push people to, um, you know, think contemplatively about each exam question and 
um, you know, you know, that it goes through the full spectrum of professional practice, even. And what are um, ethics involved? There's questions on that. And so really, you know, pushing yourself to um, take some of those online exams or the ones in the back of the book are really good ways to practice, 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 get used to the format, get used to maybe how they're asking ABCD. Um, I remember I had one where one of the questions or one of the multiple choice options was an act of God. And I was like, (laughs) you know, what are they... (laughs) asking me here. And it, you know, yeah. it was a professional practice question. And it, it, that I think was the right answer. But at the time, I wasn't uh, prepared to think in that light. So I think as many times as you can practice and also getting used to the format, I know that a lot of people were intimidated mm-hmm. when it was going to the digital. Because we uh, we've all, you know, even though most of us work in Revit or AutoCAD now, you know, hand drafting is something that was, and I think still st- taught at majority of the institutions out there. So all of us, you know, know how to hand draft and that was in our comfort zone. And so having the exam go to the digital was Mm -hmm. a big concern Mm -hmm. or a big buzz and conversation among designers in my community. And so I think as much as you can practice how they're going to simulate a design process through examination questions for the practicum portion is really good to practice. Yeah. And also it's good for me, it really helped kind of get my confidence up. You know, I think a lot of it is like having so much stress before a test and thinking, you know, all those negative thoughts of like, oh, I'm a terrible test taker. This thing was so expensive. You know, what if I don't pass? But like learning how to tune that out and just focus on the question um, and doing it over and over really helped me get my confidence up before the test. And then also, um, learning how to sit still for about two and a half to three hours without, you know, looking at your phone or your email or getting up for anything. That was another thing that I definitely needed to practice because during the day, you know, we're always go, go, go and going to meetings or checking this or that. And so even just sitting still for that long is definitely something worthwhile practicing. Being focused. Yeah, that's a good, really good point. That's a really good point. Yeah, I remember being locked in a room for eight hours and having a lunch break. <laughs> So, you know, that was a little different. Um, But yeah, for two and a half hours of being focused and dedicated to something, um, you know, we in this era are not doing that as much anymore. So that's a really great tip. Um, So my final question for you today, because you've given us so many things to think about, and um, I think encouraging advice for taking the NCADQ exam is can you make an analogy for us on a comparison between something you've seen and taking the NCADQ exam? I think one thing that I've I've thought about a lot as I was taking it is that it just felt like I was, you know, training and running a marathon. With the three exams that test a wide range of content, it definitely felt like more of a test of endurance than anything. Um, both in terms of like the amount of time you're preparing and studying for it, the length of the exam, the fact that there's three of them. And just like you can't likely go from your couch to running a marathon, it's the same thing. You need to consistently and effectively prepare, prepare for your exams. But once you finish and cross the finish line, getting those five letters after your name will be so worth it. And then hopefully you'll share that with us. So all you listeners out there that are getting ready to take the exam, um, please, you know, contact us and let us know on social media, link us in so that we can help you celebrate your accomplishments when you take the exam. I think that um, we as a 
as a profession need to come together as a community and support each other and help elevate each other. And so, you know, share that success with us on social media. Um, Julianne, it's been a pleasure speaking with you and getting all your insight. Um, I hope that our listeners will continue to follow along um, via Instagram, Pinterest, and Twitter, or at www.creativeconfidantwithanenn.com. Um, you guys can also find resources and access to Julianne and her work via my blog post. Um, so, without further ado, thank you so much, Julianne, and everyone have a great night. Alrighty, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you want more, please spread the love and subscribe to this podcast. You can find supporting information in the show notes for this episode on milelongtrace.com. If you're itching to have a question answered about the interior design profession, visit our website to contact me. Don't forget to follow Trace on Instagram to stay in the know. Hey, share this with your friends to grow this platform so that we can continue to provide you kick-ass information that is relevant to you and your profession. Till next time, keep designing, y'all.